I'm gonna read um, a small chapter from Sugar Run. Um, this novel um, follows Jody McCarty um, after she, the narrative takes place in 2007 after she gets out of prison and then there's another narrative that's woven in that takes place in the 10 months leading up to when she was imprisoned in 1988 and 1989. And last year I read from the opening of the novel and um, read from the section where the day that she got out of prison. So I thought that today I would read um, from one of the 1988 chapters. And I think the only thing that you really need to know for this is um, Effie is um, Jody's grandmother. Um, Jody lived with her and was um, basically raised by her and Effie died recently um, when this chapter occurs. And um, Jody is 16 in this chapter. August 1988. Check, a voice calls out through the swarm of smoke and ping of slot machines. The voice is distinctly female and a room full of the deep vibrations of men. Jody glances over her shoulder past the wild wolf crazy eights and penny arcades to the far corner where a poker game is underway in a cocoon of smoke at a green table sits a trucker, a bearded dude in a hunting cap one thin, pale-suited man, and a woman dressed like a redneck boy. The woman leans forward, elbows on the table, and black hair slicked back under a cap. She's been there for three days, winning more than half the hands she plays, and her presence carves out a space in the room disproportionate to her size. Here you go, sweetheart, the bartender says, as he pours a long stream of reddish-orange liquid into a frosted glass, lifting the shaker high and dripping the last drops in with a flourish. Jody nods and swivels towards Jimmy Lauder on the stool beside her. His eyes jump to her face and she can feel his pride swell over the fact that she is sitting here with him. Jimmy was hired on at Render High only months before, taking over the junior and senior year chemistry classes. He has not started balding yet, though his body is softening into middle age. He is grateful, nearly pious, in his appreciation of Jody's tight flesh, and his chemical-stained fingers move electric when they touch her. In the weeks after Effie's death, while the bank men and lawyers stalked her grandmother's land, Jody had escaped the tangled newness of her parents' house and lost herself in the pulse of Jimmy's fingers and those long, chalk-dusted afternoons. She is enamored with his need for her, the lost dog look he gets in his eyes, and the way she can, simply by removing her shirt, cause him to tremble and beg. She is secretly astounded that this body of hers, with its bony angles and pale, chigger-bit skin, can have such power. She carries this knowledge around with her throughout her days and it makes her feel colossally tall as if she is already gazing back on her former life from a great height. You want more vodka in there? You just tell me. The bartender, Jimmy's older brother, is, a pathet is pathetically proud to be serving sex on the beach to a 16-year-old. It is in his pickle green trailer in Wheeling that Jody and Jimmy are staying, blinding themselves all day with alcohol and the jittery screens of slot machines. Four days at the wild and wonderful casino, but the woman at the card table is the only interesting thing Jody has seen. Raise 1200, the woman says, and pushes a stack of black and purple chips across the ratty felt. She could be beautiful if she didn't look so strange, dressed in the same worn flannel and leather work boots that all the men in Jody's family wear, a web of blue-black tattoos sleeving the skin of both arms. She is softly familiar, but altogether different, a mixture of beautiful and ugly that wavers like a hologram back and forth the more you stare at it. Sharp cheekbones and a full pout of a mouth, she's built like a country boy too, broad in the shoulders, thick biceps and narrow hips. What do you want to eat, baby? 
Jimmy leans in close, his hand against Jody's back. Jody shakes her head and takes a sip of her drink, the cold crystals catching in her throat. Raise 3,000. The suit stacks up a pile of purple chips. Beside him, the trucker looks from the table to his hand and then sends his card sailing in the general direction of the dealer who collects them swiftly and points at the woman. She adds orange chips to her stack and pushes it up. Raise 9,000. The bearded hunter folds, slides his cards to the dealer, and sits small in his chair as if losing to a woman has made him physically shrink. On the stool beside Jody, Jimmy spins, turning his attention to the game. His fingers find the clasp of Jody's bra under her shirt, and he plucks it in a rhythm of one, two, three. The suit matches the woman's stack. Showdown, the dealer barks. For a moment, neither the woman nor the suit move. Gentlemen, the dealer says, then glances at the woman and starts to correct himself. The suit flips his cards, and the dealer then pivots to the woman who flashes her hand to the table. The dealer nods and rakes the pot towards her, chips jumping and clattering. The woman gathers them and then stands, mouth set, staring straight at Jody. What a game, Jimmy laughs, a laugh track laugh, and brings his hand down to Jody's waist. His sweat hangs between them, smelling of fast food and anxiety. In the bathroom mirror, under the sharp overhead lights, Jody is too skinny, with too many freckles and all that stringy black hair. She smooths her tank top and pulls it low. The light flickers and the door swings in. Jody freezes. Behind her, the woman stands so close she could stretch her fingers out and touch her, so close she can smell her, bourbon and cigarettes and something sweet. Jody looks up. She meets the woman's eyes in the flecked glass and her breath jackknifes. How much is he paying you? The woman asks. Jody blinks and shakes her head, a line of sweat trickling down her chest. We're just friends. The woman's lips break into a wide smile. Jody stares down at her feet. She can't really explain, even to her own self, the hunger that opens up inside her and the way that Jimmy's lust can make it temporarily evaporate. You like those fruity drinks he buys you? Jody moves away, scuffing her sneaker along the tile floor. You don't even know what you like, do you? The woman calls. And then, as Jody opens the door and the flush of casino music filters in, my name's Paula, she says. By the time she has resumed her place at the poker table, Paula has attracted a floatsum jetsum audience. The bartender, a silver-haired businessman, the hunter, who is sitting out around. Everyone but Jimmy, who rests heavily in the low-slung seat at the wild wolf machine, feeding it quarters. Jody watches from the bar, and every time she looks at Paula, her breath goes all funny in her chest. Bet, the suit stacks up orange chips, 5,000. Paula matches him and the game rolls out in a repeating shuffle and snap. All Jody understands of poker is a tight, angry wrestling of egos. The games she's used to are a jumble of dog-eared cards and sweaty bills on old oil drums out back of the gas and go. Insults and compliments traded between neighbors and cousins while the girls nurse beers and stretch out on the hoods of rusted Chevys, showing off their newly shaved legs. Jesus fucking Mary. The trucker sends his cards up into the air in a bright flurry. The way she's watching the dealer, she knows what's coming her way. Jody blinks and tries to focus. Something is happening and she doesn't understand. The energy in the room has shifted and she tries to parse out what has just gone on, but the vodka is heavy in her head. The suit says something that Jody can't hear and sets an orange stack of chips on the table. Paula tightens her eyes. Raise, she says. The suit nods and a tickle of a smile crosses his lips. He reaches for his chips. It's just the two of them left in the game now.
Jimmy has gotten up from the wild wolf machine and he is pacing between Jody and the poker table. All in, Paula says. The suit moves. He bucks across the table towards Paula and a slurry of words spill from his mouth. Fucking bitch. Paula doesn't flinch. Face still. The air smooth around her like a shield. The room is a sweating, beating organ. It constricts now in low, instinctual rhythms, voices from the TV and the music of the slot machines. Paula stands, all eyes on her. Jody leans forward, but Jimmy is blocking her view. She pushes up off her stool, but she is too drunk. She sits back down and wills Jimmy away, wills them all away, everything but the clean strength of Paula. She brings her cigarette to her lips. From the speakers overhead, a song fogs out. Our land, our land is far through the heart of this snow. Jody closes her eyes and focuses on the sad lilt of Lee Golden's voice on that radio, far through the heart of this snow. She takes another drag and in her mind's eye, she sees Paula reach into her jacket and retrieve a silver pistol. She pictures Paula raising it high above her head. A shot roars out and then a white rain of plaster filters down over the table. Paula brings the pistol level with the suit's head and then smiling, she pulls back and smashes it into his face. The suit lets out a long, wet noise as bright blood runs out his nostrils and into his mouth dripping and blooming in great dark spots all down his white shirt. Jody's pulse thrums and she opens her eyes. She blinks and the room tips a little, readjusts. That song is still playing. Lee Golden's lullaby fuzzing out through the speakers, but there is no gun, no blood, no hole in the plaster above, no Paula. Her stomach buckles. She looks at Jimmy slouched back in his cockpit chair and panic shatters open inside her. Focus. Did she dream her? The bartender is there behind the bar and the men are standing around the table, the dealer, the suit, the trucker and the rest. Focus. She's been doing this too much lately, ever since Effie's death, letting her mind run into wild dreamscape universes. She pivots on her stool, turns towards the back of the room, and there, shadow cast under the red exit, a black-haired figure. Jody jerks. She feels the sweaty pressure of her own fingers pushing her body up, her blood suddenly buoyant. And though it is too fast to know, she does know. Everything else smudges out as she focuses and she sees herself choosing. She sees her own legs unfold, her body turn and release. Our land, the radio chants. Our land is far through the heart. She tumbles into the hallway past the brass elevators and on towards an exit, so an exit door so heavy she has to slam her hip to open it. The sunlight scrapes her eyes and she stands there, breath ragged and blood still hurtling until the black dots diminish and she can see. Paula, halfway across the asphalt lot, head turned and eyes on Jody as a hot wind flaps around her, filling her shirt and lifting it like a billowing sheet. Thank you. Mm -hmm.